think that this past week we're just seeing the brokenness of our own humanity, of our society, as great as America is. The, uh, the chinks and the, the faults are showing. And we know as believers that the answer is in Jesus Christ. In fact, Josh is going to be sharing in just a little bit using a, a text that I think really does speak to uh, part of the solution. That of uh, Philippians chapter 2 where it says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem the other better than themselves. And then, of course, the gospel shows us how that happens. I, I want you, you to listen carefully, thinking about our society, but also think about us. How can we do this? It could very well be that just loving people like Miss Mary and helping them do what's right, even at sacrifice, could be part of that. Um, and that and many more. Uh, but it is certainly something for us to pray together Ask God to give his mercy and grace in our own hearts as well as those around. Certainly pray for people like Jeff Morgan and others in our church who are our police. And pray for folks like Eliot and, and Mary and the Lucases and others where uh, they feel this too in a major way. Sometimes it might be helpful to just listen and consider what they have to say without trying to defend. Just listen. I hope that you worship the Lord this morning. I'll be praying for you to do the same. I'll be worshiping the Lord somewhere uh, uh, where we're at together. Uh, until we see again, uh, God bless. Send to Jared um, when you get a chance. I think that would be funny. Um, yeah, so it has been, um, I'm glad that it's been brought up multiple times about how heavy of a week it's been. Um, for our country, as it's revealed, um, well, not really revealed, but it's continue, continually revealing this festering wound that exists in our country, um, where the reality is that um, in our country, though we're the United States, there's a lot of disunity in our country, um, that there is a lot of um, animosity that goes back generations, and that is still very preval prevalent in our country today. Um, and like Jared said, the only hope for reconciliation for um, everything with the incidents in uh, Minnesota, Louisiana, and Dallas, the only hope for all of that is in, is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, he's the only one that can bring unity. He's the only one that um, can bring about that reconciliation. And the reality is that reconciliation has to start um, first and foremost in the church, that the church has to be unified, a unified body, um, growing together, um, working out the mission of Christ together. Um, and so we'll go ahead and start off in prayer um, just for the incidents that have happened this past week. Um, and that will, then we'll start looking at a text that um, deals with handling that as a church. Um, so let's pray. Dear Lord, we come to you broken, God, um, over the horrible things that have happened this week, God, as... Um, we just see that the, the tension and the issues that um, are within our country and within the world as well when you look at um, the refugee crisis and different things going on. Um, and we just know, Lord, that the only way that any type of reconciliation can happen is through you. Um, and we praise you, God, that you are a good father who loves your creation and wants to see that reconciliation. Um, and that you've 
provided your church as the way to go out into the world and reach them with the good news of your gospel. Um, And Lord, I just pray that as we spend time looking at your word together today, that it'll inspire us and drive us to um, to love one another as we're called to um, because of you, Lord, and as through doing that to then go out and love the world. Um, and I just pray that you'll speak to us during this time. In your name I pray, amen. All right, so the, uh, this is going to be fun. This is the first time ever preaching, so you guys actually aren't as scary as 14 and 15-year-olds, so <laughs> thanks. <laughs> um, but we're going to, uh, that's the wrong notes. <laughs> Bear with me. We'll get it going. Um, but we're going to go ahead and um, look at a lot of the, the issues in the world um, and issues in our own life flow out of selflessness or selfishness. Um, so that's one of the things this week I've been looking at. Um, as me and Pastor Jared were talking, he was talking about, we were talking about something. Somehow we got on this topic about um, meditation. He started telling me about, you know, he started when he was in college thinking about what was the point in time in the day that I started noticing myself thinking, um, which was just an interesting concept. And so I kind of took with that idea and started going through the day and going, I'm going to start paying attention to every time that I make some type of decision or something out of selfish motives or out of a selfish heart. Um, so I was like, I'll count. We'll see how this goes. I stopped counting after 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> What I did during those 20 minutes, I drove to work. So, you know, that can be quite frustrating, rush hour traffic. Um, and it was, you know, little things like I'd be driving along, cruising along about 10 miles per hour over the speed limit. And someone would just cut me off. And by cut me off, I mean they would just shift lanes like they're allowed to and then go the speed limit, which is very, you know, frustrating when you're on the way to work <laughs> and you're late because I have a tendency to be late to things. Um, so with that, it was just a con- bunch of different little things coming up, and I started realizing just how in so many of these little decisions that I make, the person I'm primarily concerned with is me. Um, I don't really have much motivation for loving or for what the other people are going through. Maybe they're late to work, or they left on time like they're supposed to, um, and just trying to get there on time. Um, but we're going to look at the, some of the results of selfish living, um, which... Generally, when we live selfishly, what we're doing is we're elevating ourselves above other people. Um, What we're doing is we're saying that I am much more important than so-and-so. I am more important than my neighbor, my family member, my this random person that is going to work as well. Um, And what this does is it causes us, we think less of each other, Um, we tend to treat others poorly, or we tend to manipulate other people um, for our own interests. Other things we do is... Oftentimes, if we hold on to anger or bitterness, holding on to the anger or bitterness really flows out of a selfish motive that they've done some type of wrong to us, and we don't want to let that go, or we don't want to rectify the situation. Um, and there's a call within our hearts, or within us, to um, rectify, or to be selfless people, and we're going to look at that here today. Um, so we're going to be in Philippians chapter 2, um, but we're really going to start reading in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Um, 1, verse 27, it says... Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come to see you or am absent, I may hear you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. And that verse right there is really what the rest of 
the next like chapter and a half of Philippians really flows out of. Um, and so what we're looking at here is what the manner of life, our manner of life should be like if it's a manner of life worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, so we'll start reading in verse 27, read through verse 11. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord, and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves." Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on on a cross." Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory and glory of God the Father. Um, so looking at this first verse in Philippians chapter 1, the, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, um, what we see here is that the saving work of God or the saving work of Jesus Christ, motivates us to live selfishly. Um, so what is text is talking about here, it's, it's a series of, like, if questions here. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, and so when you break these down, these, guys, these questions are really rhetorical. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, is there encouragement in Christ? Yes, there is encouragement in Christ. Um, is there any comfort from love? Yes, there is comfort from the love of Jesus Christ. Is there any participation in the Spirit? Yes, those that are in Jesus Christ are filled with the Spirit of Jesus Christ and are participating in the Spirit. Um, and there is affection and sympathy. as Christ's affection for us and his sympathy for us is what led him to come and die on the cross for our sins. And in turn, um, we have affection for Christ and sympathy for those that don't know him. Um, and so this is really just a picture of the gospel. Um, it's the gospel of Jesus, it's the gospel spread out, um, that the beauty that salvation is available, it's available to all, and that um, you can come to receive that salvation through the gift of um, Christ, um, through the gift of God. Um, and so all these things are here, and they're available for those that are redeemed in Christ. And so it drives us to ask for two things. The first question is, because these things are true, what's the then statement that we should do? Um, the other thing that it drives us to ask is, are these things true in my life? Are these things, because if they are, then that's a reflection of being in Christ. But if they're not, then there's a reflection of some type of disconnect with Christ um, or that we are, in, t- in fact, separated from him. Um, and so this is the motivating factor. It's the fact that we were lost sinners, people that were separated from God, that we were going our own way. And what Jesus Christ has done is brought us to his fold um, through his death. And that's all the motivation in the world really we need to, for moving forward. Um, so we'll move on to verse uh, 2 through 4. 
um, where we'll just really see the meat of the passage where um, we're talking about how we are then to live as wa- through walking in this manner. Um, so verse 2, it says, Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord, and of one mind. Um, and so the, the primary command in this passage is to be of one mind. And so what that is is to be united. Um, of, it's like to be like-minded. So um, this doesn't mean that we all have the same mind. It doesn't mean that, you know, we all think that the color green is the coolest color in the world and that we all agree on every single thing within doctrine or every single piece of theology. But what it means is that we're of the same purpose, the same mind. And so the rest of the verse really expands on this, what it means to live out the mind of Christ, to have this same mind, um, have a, be united in mind amongst one another. Um, the first thing is having the same love. Um, so we're called to, we're, so what we have then is there's an unconditional love for Christ that flows out of this. Um, because of who God is, because Christ has died for us, we are then, we can't help but have love for Christ. Um, and this love for Christ is the motivating factor. It's the driving factor um, of our life. It's what brings us as a church together, right? Um, it's not, we don't just get together because it's, you know, a fun place where we're all like-minded people about some sporting team or something like that, or it's a club where you feel accepted. We come together because we are sinners that have been brought near to the cross of Christ through Jesus Christ. Um, and that love, that's what unifies us. That's what draws us together. Um, and so this then also turns into an unconditional love for one another. Um, because what God did is he created us, um, he created people with the intention of there being us being in relationship with one another. We're called to relate to one another. God said that it's not good for man to be alone. And in that immediate context, he was talking about a marriage relationship, but that really expands into life, that we're called to do life together. We're called to live um, life as loving one another and caring for one another. And um, The second one is, second part here, is to be in full accord. Um, so to being in full accord, I always think of a Honda Accord. So that's how, you know. So if you're in, everyone's in a Honda, if you got a really full accord, everyone's in the, the Honda Accord together. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, what it really is looking at, it's united in our spirit. And really, the, the terminology really looks to this idea of soul to soul. And it's almost more of this idea of being, um, could be looked at this idea of being soulmates. That we as followers of Jesus Christ, this is a deeper level of relationship with one another where we're called to um, be living life together as a collective body. And so um, most of you guys, a lot of people here are married, right? You know, I'm not. But a lot of people here are. (laughs) My family's laughing, so thanks. Um, But you guys that are married, you guys, there's these sort of unspoken, you can tell when your spouse is, how their mood they're in, usually without them saying anything, right? There's kind of this, you guys can read each other, I hope. (laughs) No. Um, But there is this understanding of how this works. Even within my own life, you know, I have relationships with some friends or roommates that as soon as my roommate walks in the house, I can tell whether or not he's had a good day or a bad day. And I don't even have to leave my room to do that. You can just tell by the the way that that they come out of the room. Um, But what this really implies, this idea of being in a full court, is that we have to know one another. Um, that we as a church body, as Green Pines Baptist Church, um, we're brought here together for a purpose. The reason we're all a part of this church is because God's ordained it. 
um, which is a really cool thought because thinking about the diverse places, like, I mean, I'm from South Jersey originally, lived in Western New York, and somehow I ended up here with people, and there's members of our church that have been here since day one, and we have members of our church that have been here within a few years, people from that have grown up in Nightdale, been here their whole life, and we have people that have come from other places. And it's this beautiful thing where God has called us all together to this place for, for his purpose. Um, and so as a result of this, we're called to know one another, get to know one another, work in one another, and be a part of each other's lives. Um, next, we're looking at um, to be of one mind. And so it's repeating the of one mind, but what this really is looking at is purpose. Um, that we come together with a specific purpose. We get together on Sunday morning with the purpose of driving one another towards Christ and worshiping our Lord and Savior and loving one another. And not only that, we have a greater purpose as a church body. Um, that the reason that God has created the church is to be his light to the world. Um, so you look at the Great Commission passage, which is what we're all called to do. This is our passage that... Um, um, yeah, I'm blanking on the Great Commission passage. Sorry. We'll go to Matthew 28 real fast. We're going to be in Matthew for a couple minutes. We're going to look at a couple passages. <laughs> um, and so Matthew 28... Starting in verse 16, uh, it says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed him. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came forth to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age." And so here we have our commissioning, the commissioning of the church, that we were brought together to go out and make disciples, and that through this process of making disciples, we're spreading the glory of God to the ends of the world, which is what um, we're called to do. And so the chosen method for that, like I said, is in the church. So if you guys will just flip over to Matthew 16. And so in Matthew 16, what we have is, um, is Jesus is with his disciples, um, and so starting in verse 13, Jesus is talking with Peter here and his disciples, and he says, it says, Now when, G when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, Bar for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I will tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Um, and so what, Pete, what Jesus does here is he makes a play on words with Peter because Peter's name sounds a bit like rock. Um, but he's saying that on this rock is what my church will be built. And the rock is that statement that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. Um, and through that, that rock is what the church is built on. Um, and the gates of hell won't prevail against that. And so what's that saying is that we look at Oftentimes, gates are gates, right? And gates can't attack us. But it's this idea of us as a church, as a body, going together against the gates of hell to represent the gospel of Jesus Christ and to bring people from, um, from lostness to Christ. And that's what we're called to do. It's our purpose. It's what 
our church what we settle on, um, and that's what brings us together. And the result of all this is that we should be united, um, that when we're, or that we end up being united. It's when we live selflessly for one another, we then, there's this natural unity that forms from it. Um, so moving forward in Philippians, in verse 3, let me flip back over there. It says, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Um, so humility um, is really a key component of selfless living. Um, we see that, we see first there's this call here to do nothing. What does nothing mean? It means nothing. It doesn't mean, you know, some things. When he says nothing here, he actually means nothing. That we're called to do nothing of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Um, and so, a lot of times there's this festering thing within us that we desire to do. We, we're just naturally, we pursue glory. We naturally want this own glory within us. It's part of our sin nature. Um, but, we're called here not to have that. And so, looking at different things in life, you know, you look at uh, jobs or things like that and work. There's this competition within itself, right? You want to do better than these other people. You want to beat other people out for promotions, things like that. There's a, and what that can do is it can be this sense of this pull and pa- of where you're trying to do better than them. And uh, you should do well at your job, and it's not bad to want promotions. Um, but within the church, that's, there's issues where rivalry does crop up, where you can want to be in, held in higher esteem. This, makes a, this is a big deal, being in seminary. Um, I've been working through seminary slowly but surely for the last four years. I'll be here at least another year um, because of seminary. But it's, it's really interesting because you have this place where you have so many um, men and women that are like-minded, the reason they're coming together is because they want to be either ministers of the gospel or they want to be missionaries. There's this desire to proclaim the kingdom of Christ to the world. And yet, it's within that setting, there's often this great rivalry and there's this great comp- competition to be the better, you know, student preacher, or the better, I have the better grasp. It's always interesting being in classes sometimes because you'll have questions will be asked which are clearly targeted at impressing the professor with the type of question is asked. Um, and it's this natural thing within us that we are, we want to be made much of. Um, and this is anti, it's inconsistent with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, the other thing is um, conceited or being, um, it's, when we were talking about this the other day, it's, all right, here's a word I want to hear. What's the first thing that you guys think of when you hear this word? Millennials. People born between 1980 1995 participation here. Somebody throw out, what's the first thing you think of? Entitled. Entitled. Yes, it took us one time to get the word that we're looking for. Um, there's this understanding that or there's, it looks like that we're a generation that's come up, um, and I can firmly put myself, it's debated on where the years of millennials are. Wherever you range it, I was born smack dab in the middle of it. I am the definition of a millennial. Um, and it's one of those things where you look at this entitlement culture, and I'd like to say that that's not me. It is. I am in so many ways, I have, there's this natural entitlement that's within me that I constantly feel, and it's, there's plenty of reasons for that that, you know, psychologists can get into, and, you know, there's the entertainment constantly being at our, 
at our fingertips and just there's plenty of things but there's this very much a me culture that I matter most and that I should be made much of that I'm most important my needs should be people should be fulfilling my needs and I shouldn't have to do anything for it is this natural thing that we have within us and that's completely against the church I'm completely against what we're called to by Jesus Christ Um, we're called to humble ourselves that we're um, to put others more ahead of ourselves and so it's through this humility that when we're considering others more important than ourselves that's when God's working that's when the church can be at its its fullest Um, and that's something that personally I know that is a big issue that I really need to work through Um, and moving on to verse four let each of you look out not only to his own interest but also to the interest of others and so there's this call within this relationship that we have that um, when looking at interests, it's, it, to a degree, it's like hobbies, things that interest you. Um, but it's more of, it's a, also a spiritual level that we're looking to, what, how the, the concerns of other people and making sure one another is spiritually doing well, that they're, um, and there's this desire to pursue the other person, to pursue other people. And so the thing is, looking at within my own life where I have this selfishness within me, to fight this, what I really need is you guys. And what you guys need as you're fighting selfishness and things like that is you need us as a church body. And it's the church body coming together are what allows that to be um, as we help each other in that um, following Christ. And that's what brings us together and that's what unifies us. And you know, looking at all this, it's incredibly, it can get really depressing and discouraging when you look at these things and you go, I just, I don't do that. That's something I struggle with. I have flaws in every single one of these areas. I tend to live for myself and not for other people. I don't tend not to put other people first. But there's important things to remember here. First off, that's where grace comes in. Um, that Jesus Christ died for those, those things that are coming up in our lives. That um, he died to bring us back into that uni- united relationship with him so that we can live selflessly. And... Um, Next, the important thing is we do have an ability to do this. Um, And that's because Jesus Christ empowers us to live selflessly. And so if you look at verse 5, which is kind of the the crux of the verse, it's this command. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Um, So it's have this mind or have this, another word for it can be attitude, this sort of thought process, this way of life, this way of selfless living is what we're called to. And why we can have that is because of Jesus Christ. So when we've been redeemed, when we've been saved by Jesus Christ, we now have that relationship where Christ is living within us through his spirit. And so it's this interesting, really cool thing where it talks about, or where we see that throughout Jesus's life, he had the the spirit was within him as well. Um, And that same spirit that was within Jesus that was working through him is the same spirit that's alive within us. And so as a result of that, we are now, we're united with Christ and all of these same, this mind that can allow us to live selflessly, it is within us that if we're followers of Jesus Christ, we have this power, this ability within us um, because of who Jesus is. And the, the perfect example of this is Jesus. Um, and so we're gonna look forward here and see that, see Jesus, the perfect example of selfless living, starting in verse six. So it says, Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the, in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, 
but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Um, and so why should we look to Jesus as the perfect example? Well, or because A, Jesus is the founder and perfecter of our faith, as Hebrews 12 says. Um, he's also the head of our body. He's the head of the church. That He's the primary person in our church. It's not, um, it's not the pastor or elders or anything like that. The most important person amongst Green Pines Baptist Church is Jesus Christ, and that's what draws us together. That's what unifies us. Um, and so this Jesus, what he did is, um, before, time, before he came to earth, it's not, Jesus was still already existing. The Bible talks, shows that when he was there at the foundation of the world, he was the one that formed the world. And before there was time, Jesus was with the Spirit and the Father in, in heaven, and they were in perfect union with one another. And they had this perfect relationship, perfect fellowship, and there wasn't anything lacking within that relationship. Um, and so there wasn't like a, a need that had that Christ didn't have to come and die for us and didn't have to do this so that he could feel fulfilled or he could have, there was something missing in his life. Um, But what Jesus did out of his grace and out of his love for us is though he was in the form of God and did not account, he didn't, that though he was in that standing with God in heaven, he didn't say, he said, that isn't the most important thing that, and what he did was he said, I'm going to lower myself, can condescend myself from this place of majesty and take on a human body and walk in human form. And what that entailed is, that entailed suffering. That entailed, um, you know, growing up in the same way that we grew up with, you know, as a human. (laughs) Um, Growing up with a human body and the different types of suffering that went through that. Jesus ended up having, um, seeing the loss of family members and the death, death of family members and friends. Um, he had uh, suffered through um, abandonment by friends. His family rejected him. The Bible talks about how um, in John that he came to his own, his own people, and his own people rejected him. Um, ultimately, one of his disciples was the one that um, turned on him and turned him over to the, the Romans. And he walked through all these experiences and felt all these same experiences. Um, that we feel of abandonment and loss and betrayal. And so, but he did this voluntarily, making himself nothing, taking the form of a servant and being born in our likeness. And then what he did is not only did he go through all those things, but he went to the cross. Um, he died for us. And the, the thing is, we talk about the cross being the greatest form of torture that there is, that it's this absolute, the whole process he went through was just incredible amounts of pain. And so what Jesus did is he went from this place of majesty, and because of his love for us and his desire for us, he humbled himself, took on human form, and died for us, in spite of the fact that none of us in any way, shape, or form deserve it. Um, And so, as a result of this, we see that um, an example of what we are to follow. Now, obviously, we're not in this place of majesty where, majesty where we're condescending down and taking human form. But the way that Christ had this singular focus of the, that I'm going to fulfill my Father's will, I'm going to glorify the, my Father through this, and that it took him, he 
constantly took that all the way to the cross. As Gethsemane shows us that, there was this, this inner struggle within him. But he said, I'm going to willingly go to the cross to fulfill the will of the Father and to bring people back into my own. And so within our church, the church body, that needs to be our focus. It should be that, that the, the gospel, that following Christ and making God glorified is the most important thing in our lives. Um, and that's what unifies us. That's what brings us together. And then that hope is the hope for the world, that when we look at these different, the different racial issues and things like that, that it's the body of church, of the church, should work past that um, and should work to seek out to bring those relationships together because ultimately um, in Christ, we're not separated by our ethnicities. We're not separated by our age or our um, gender or anything like that. Ultimately, it's Jesus Christ is the one that brings us together. Um, and that's what we find our unity in, our, um, our purpose in. Um, and so the result, the, the fruit of selfless living is that we see Christ glorified. Um, it says, therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so we see Christ in this exalted place. Um, and ultimately having all of, all of creation at this point bowing and worshiping God and praising God, uh, or praising Christ because of what he has done. Um, and the beauty of this is that we as a church body will be participants in that, but at that point in time, there's going to be, amongst people, there's going to be this, this tension that for some people it's going to be a moment of joyous celebration as we finally see our Savior come and who has died for us, and it's going to be this awesome moment in life. Um, but for others, it's going to be a moment of sheer horror and sheer terror as they're realizing the God that they've rejected um, has, is real and has come and is a part of and, you know, there's a reality of consequences for that. And so what that does is it should motivate us um, to go out around that purpose, to go out and make followers of Jesus Christ, to make disciples. Um, but ultimately, we see that the glory of Christ is the most important thing in our life. And so because of what Christ has done on the cross, that he died for us, it shows us the way that we are to live, and we then... Um, can do live that way um, because of Jesus Christ, and that the result of that is seeing Christ glorified, and that's the, the most important thing. Um, and so the greatest example of this passage, which this passage is one that um, I've never been one for saying that like there's, I have a life verse or something, but if I were to, it would probably make this passage as what my life should be, I would wrap, try and align it with that. My life is meant to follow Christ and to love others selflessly, to put myself last and put the body of Christ first, um, and that so that we can go out and take the love of Christ to a world that's in need. Um, and probably the greatest illustration I've seen of that within my own life has been through this church. Um, and so I shared this a couple weeks ago at the last Harvest Conference, but for those that weren't there, um, I was privileged enough with Steve and Kay Walker to go to uh, East Asia, um, I guess it was three months ago now. Um, and with, throughout that time, there was this, um, we had planned this, the trip for several months, and um, 
even leading up to about two weeks beforehand, I still wasn't sure if I was able, gonna be able to go because of just financial reasons between um, being able to fund the trip and then also um, fund my time here and um, be able to pay for the different bills that had to get paid back here. Um, and through this church, you guys provided not just for us to be able to go, um, but you guys helped provide for me to pay some of my bills here so that I could get by for that month and go out as a representative of Green Pines Baptist Church and um, proclaim the gospel where we did see several people come to know Christ and we got to um, be a part of a baptism there and to see just the exciting work that's happening in this county that we've been praying for. Um, and so we'll hopefully share more stories with that moving forward. Um, but it was through you guys sacrificially wanting to see the gospel go forth um, and providing for a group to go um, and to be a part of that. And it was just this amazing picture where I'll admit that in that time, my faith was extremely small. I was 90% sure I wasn't going to go. But it's because of you guys sacrificially praying and giving up that um, we were able to go and I was able to go and be a part of this trip. And it's this beautiful picture of the gospel. Um, and we as a church, um, it's need to continue to strive to do that. Um, we need to continue to strive to love one another, put one another first, so that Christ can be proclaimed and Christ can be glorified to the ends of the earth, and that we can truly be a greenhouse for the Great Commission. Um, and so, as a result of this, there's a, there's a choice that has to be made in each and every one of our lives, um, because I'm sure if each and every one of us looked in ourselves, we would well, I would challenge you guys, actually, just you don't have to do this, but to start off a day and go, let me try counting how many times I make a decision out of selfish, selfish motivations or prideful heart. Um, and it would just, it's, it's, I wouldn't say fun, but it's convicting. Um, but ultimately, selfish living is not consistent with Jesus Christ, um, with, not consistent with being a follower of him. Um, and so what we're called to do is to be walking in sync with him. Um, and so looking at each one of our lives and asking ourselves, you know, is my life being lived for Christ or am I living for myself? Am I constantly seeking out my, my own desires? Um, and the result of this is, it is if we're not, if we're living for ourselves, there's going to be disrupted unity within Green Pines, within our church body. But when we're living for Christ, that's when the Green Pines will thrive, when we'll see um, us encouraging one another on to love the Lord and to love others. And that's when we'll see the gospel go forward.